I didn't realize like how much work I was taking on when I started this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, podcasts are deceptively uh, time-consuming. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Insiders Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is your boy, Stoli. I'm so happy to announce we have a special guest on this episode, the one and only fantasy commissioner. That's right, people. This is an episode about being a commish. Uh, anyways, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Nathan into the show. You can find him on Twitter at Dynasty One Stop. Um, that's one spelt out, O-N-E, instead of the number one. Anyways, What's going on, Nathan? How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Uh, glad to be here. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, enjoying your league. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's the Honestly, it's the one thing about baseball that I love so much is there's so many different things you can do with a team in a draft. You can go any different directions, especially in a 30-team league, which I've never done. I've never actually had a strategy for this so i kind of had to come up with some on the fly as well um but before we get all into all that uh i kind of wanted to ask you a few questions about being a commissioner yeah for sure all right so right off the bat i gotta ask how did you even get started in being a commissioner slash running a website where you provide commissioner services yeah um so i started playing I started playing fantasy, I guess, probably around like 08, 09, but really got into it. And my first dynasty league was the 2013 season. Um, And I joined a league that was already existing, took over a team. Um, And I just like doing organizational stuff. And so pretty quickly, I became a co-commish in that league and just kept playing, did more leagues, did other co-commissioning, and then started commissioning my own leagues. Um, and then the other 30 teamer around 30 rock when that kicked off and commissioning a 30 team league was unlike commissioning any other league I had done. Like I had done some 16 teamers, 12 teamers, all that kind of stuff, but doing 30 teams, um, was just insane. Um, and pretty fun. And the feedback I was getting from the leagues I commissioned was good. Um, figured hey I, I can do something with this i enjoy doing this um got a good structure for constitutions and rules and keeping things clean mm-hmm. so decided to just step out and try it and see if i could you know just get a bunch of leagues going and run those and so far so good so, yeah that's interesting man i'm curious how many leagues are you running uh i'm the sole commish of eight right now with more on the way okay. and i co-commissioned two others so kind of assistant commission really but yeah so yeah how many yeah i was gonna say how many more do you plan on adding um as many as people want really um i mean within reason i can't run a million but yeah um, <laughs> the nice thing with commissioning is like you get the thing set up you get the players in get the draft done and then after that the maintenance is not insane 
um, you keep an eye on things, you know, you process trades, answer questions, but um, in some ways, once you get into the season, it's less work than playing a team. Um, Cause it's not, especially in a daily league, cause you're not setting the lineup. You're not making any trades. Um, so you don't have to kind of do those things. Um, it's a lot more upfront work and then sort of supervision. So this is the busier time for actually commissioning. And then once the season gets rolling, it's kind of like, make sure the ship goes the right direction, process trades, answer questions, make sure no one breaks any rules and you're good to go. Do you have a lot of rule breakers? <laughs> uh, usually not intentionally. Um, right. Every once in a while you get the unintentional, just, you know, you added someone who you're not allowed to add or uh, like, as is the case in this league, um, and my other 30 teamer, you cannot trade back to back first round picks um, going okay. forward so that if someone has to take over your team, they're not just left without any attractive pick. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's no way in fan tracks to enforce that, which is surprising because there's pretty much a way to enforce everything else. Right. Um, but so I just have to kind of keep an eye on oh, there's a first-round pick in this deal. Did they trade their first-round pick last year? Um, and I've had a couple times where someone's had that. And it's like, hey, you're going to have to kind of figure this deal out without this in it because you can't do that. And it's never out of, you know, misintent on their part. They're not trying right. to cheat the system. They just right. forgot the rule. So, Yeah, I, I accidentally broke the fan tracks rules last year. Um, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize Evan White had gone over his i think it was they had it set at 10 games last year because of the shortened year um but anyways long story short i went to make a move and i got dinged because evan white had to come out of my minors oh Uh, yeah but that was just like something minor and after that i'm like paying attention so much more now thankfully i didn't get charged a fee (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad to be in a league that has rules like that because there are teams that would just trade every single draft pick they have every year for no reason other than to just try and win every season. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have no intent at ever building a dynasty, uh, right. which, is, and, which is the whole point. Right. And in money leagues, especially, you could see someone going, OK, I'm going all in these first two years, going to try to get the top prize. Mm-hmm. And then I don't care what I leave for someone else to pick up. And it's like, well, I need to find someone else to pick that team up if you leave. So I need it to be at least respectable. Yeah, so if someone's going to want to take over a team where they're also putting money in. Right, so, and the 29 yeah. other teams don't want a taco week, for lack of a better term, where it's just yeah. a free... Because it, it, it's with money on the line, you can't have a free week. Yeah, and head-to-head for sure. And in Roto, it's just no fun. You you know they're going to be last. So yep, yeah. uh, If anything, it makes your job easier as a player uh, when you know a team's going to be at the bottom and everyone. So you at least okay in thirty teams you would get what twenty nine at the worst. So (laughs) right, yeah. I don't know. It's I I like that you do that. That's a very good idea. Um, It just shows what a good commiss you are. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> no problem, bro. No problem. Glad to be in your league, honestly, because like I said uh, before the show, I've been in leagues with horrible commissioners, man. Like I, I was in a league once with a guy 
he vetoed a trade that actually me and my co-owner in your 30 um in the 30 for 30 league me and him popped off a trade uh in hockey and he had vetoed it because his reasoning was it's my league i can veto whatever i want i feel like this is collusion (laughs) meanwhile me and the guy's name is aaron um me and aaron had been working on this trade for literally over two weeks because we couldn't figure out the last piece of the puzzle so we were back and forth at least five six times before we finally landed on the deal and then he vetoed it within an hour and both of us ended up quitting the league it was I couldn't, oh man, I like to this day, I'm still upset about it. Um, have you ever had a situation where you were in a league where something like this happened and you're like, you know what, I need to be the commissioner? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one time I got a trade that I had made vetoed, um, which to be fair, it was an insanely lopsided trade. Um, but to also be fair, there was no collusion. The other manager just made an awful offer. Um, and he was newer to fantasy and to dynasty. And so the commission pretty much just like took pity on him and was like, no, I'm just like, freaking kidding me right now. This is absurd. Do you remember um, what the deal was? Oh gosh. Yeah, it was, it was in our like first year player draft. Okay. And it was a like mid first round pick for like peak JD Martinez. And the options at that pick were nowhere near what you should be paying to get JD Martinez. No. Um, so it, yeah, it was very lopsided. Um, I'm not even but, sure Torkelson yeah. is worth peak JD Martinez. There's an argument. Yeah. Yeah. And this, yeah. So I was not happy with that. Um, but I take a very, uh, in terms of my commissioning with trades, I won't veto something unless it's clear that it's collusion. Um, which, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of hard to prove. But yeah, also, I kind of take it, if a manager makes an awful trade for them, that's on them. If they make a great trade for them, good for them. Um that's going to happen. I mean, you look at the majors and look at some trades that are made and yeah, no kidding. Like sometimes we scratch our heads over them at when they happen. And then certainly looking back on them, you're like, what the heck was that? I mean, like yeah, my Cubs I, traded DJ LeMahieu for a bunch of nothing. And then he became a superstar. Right. Yeah, and I'm, so you're I'm, like, well, <laughs> take that one back if you could, but you can't. So I know the one everyone likes to talk about recently is the uh, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now for Chris <laughs> Archer trade. Right. Yeah. Right? right. And even when that one happened, everyone was like, what are you doing, Tyler? I know. I know. So, right. I mean, I would say live and learn, but the Pirates don't. They don't. So, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. But there was one trade. I w- it was a league I was co-commissioning. I was actually a pair of trades between the same two owners. And the commission I talked about overturning them, um, we ended up not. But I looked these up earlier. This was 2019. Mm-hmm. The guy who won both trades, and I can say that because it's not even close, um, he got Trey Turner mm-hmm. for AJ Puck and Kevin Newman. Oh, God. And Mike Clevenger and Brad Boxberger for Trey Whittinger and Marcus Walden. 
Oh, shout out Red Sox, Marcus Walden. <laughs> right, I know. Like, I'm pretty sure when the trade went through, I had to look up who one of the guys was. And I'm yeah. like, this is not a good sign for this trade. No. And, like, the commission talked to both managers, and they, the guy who got fleeced, like, made arguments for why he liked the trades. Mm. But it was just, so we let him go through. But it clearly put that manager in a better position in that league. That said, yeah. he still hasn't won it because I've won the last two years. But oh. yeah, humble brag. Um, no, no worries, so, man. Um, I don't like vetoes. Um, I kind of figure if you're a smart manager, you're making a trade, and I might disagree with your logic. But I mean, there have been some recent trades in the thirty team. My thirty, the other thirty teamer, where I've got messages from people like, "Wow, that's a head scratcher," mm-hmm. but like no one's being like, "Commish, you can't allow this to go through," because right. like, both these guys are managed managers. Many cases, they're two industry guys who made a trade. It's like I'm not going to call you out and say, "Yeah, you made no it. kidding." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric Cross, I'm beetling your trade, man. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that would go for well with Eric, um, but it's like you make the trade and you live with the consequences for better or for worse. So that's on you. Mm -hmm. And he might trade Mike Trout for Garrett Hampson. You never know. (laughs) Trout did just get traded in that league, but is it not funny how Trout gets traded in every league all the time? I find ever seen traded seriously in a league I've been in. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's because I do more redraft. Oh yeah, yeah but every single year Mike Trout gets traded at least once or twice, man. It's insane. Um, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm never the one that gets him for these cheap prices either. After the guy gets him, he's always, the price always goes way up. But <laughs> anyways, you, so you kind of already touched on my next point, which was vetoes. Um, <laughs> so you, I know you said you don't like them, but have you actually ever vetoed a trade? I haven't, no. Um, those two I just talked about are the closest um, the commissioner in that league and I ever have come to doing that. Um, and we just, yeah, we it wasn't collusion, so we let it go. And those are the only ones I've ever had in a league I've been in or been a commissioner of, I guess I should say, that have made me think, should I do this should i beat this um i've i guess i've been fortunate um enough to have mostly smart managers who don't make dumb trades that make me think this is so lopsided that it's either collusion or massive stupidity um and there's been nothing to ever suggest collusion um i mean i think it gets harder in some leagues like like this one that we're drafting now Right, like I don't know most of the managers in here, so right. you know, two people could have joined the league. I had no clue they were close friends, and they had this arrangement to trade all of the good players to one team to win the money and both leave the league or something. Right, yeah. but you yeah. start seeing these trades go through, and you're like, "This is something sketchy." Mm-hmm. So, I guess I trust I can sniff it out if it happens. But fortunately, I've never really been in a situation where i've had to make that call so. yeah that that would worry me because i would not want to face that team mm-hmm. 
Um, and especially when the the twenty eight other people are all on the same playing field, it's complete disadvantage to all of us. Right. Um, so I mean. It's just Sorry, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, so I'm so glad that you're my commish and can sniff stuff <laughs> like that out, <laughs> bro. I'm just pumping you up this whole episode, right? <laughs> I'm good with that. Okay. We've got more leaks, Dylan. Come play, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and uh, honestly, I was gonna let you plug that at the end, but guys, you have to go check out Nathan's uh, a Twitter page because every day it seems he's you're posting a new league for people to join. Um, and I'll keep retweeting them too. So come check out the Fantasy Insiders uh, Twitter page as well, and I'll always retweet. So you, if you want a league, we'll find you a league, hundred percent. Yeah, or you can have me build one just for you. So, yeah, or, yeah. There's that. Uh, yep. Question: How much would it cost to have to hire you take over as commish of a different league that you don't run? Oh gosh. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Um, it would probably just have to look at the league um, because like a lot of it is just the setup. And so if that's already set up, but it would probably be about what I usually have as a commission fee, but might be a little bit lower because the league's already there. The managers are already there yeah. unless it's, you know, just a dumpster fire, but yeah. yeah. No, I was just thinking, cause maybe that would be a thing people would reach out for you too. Yeah, yeah, I would certainly be down for that. Um, as long as it's on fan tracks, I'm not dealing with Yahoo or ESPN. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's super easy to transfer over to fan tracks. And if you have any questions about that, I will answer those for free. So, <laughs> okay, how do I transfer yeah. my league to fan tracks? <laughs> <laughs> that's more of an email answer. But, okay. It is a very easy process. Fantrax makes it super great. And they often even will give you like a free premium year to get you to transfer over. So, wow. Yeah. That's very nice then. Yeah. It's a great uh, platform. Yeah. No, Fantrax is the best. I was always on Yahoo forever and then mm-hmm. got invited to a Dynasty League on Fantrax. So it was kind of my first real adventure over there. And I just fell in love with the player page. It never ends. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing deep leagues and dynasty, it has to be fan tracks. There's not even a question for that. If you want to do super shallow redrafts, okay. I mean, obviously, NFBC is great if you're doing certain money things. But dynasty leagues, for me, it's fan tracks, period. It's so user-friendly, too. There's so many things you can look at. Yeah, and the support is great. I mean... The writers are so approachable. Like, you want to reach out to Eric, you can talk to Eric. It's so simple. Yeah. Yeah, same with Clegg, too. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Chris is great. Um, Jake Devereaux over there. He's great. Uh, Don't need to just list off their writers. But they're all great. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing is they all know their stuff. Like, you can trust their opinions. That's what I find I like about their articles the most is that – it's not like I don't know on Yahoo. They have to be very generic. I, I find like they do they do do deep dives sometimes, but for the most part, it's very generic articles. Where over at Fan Tracks, you are literally getting one deep dive on one player, and it's a whole article like over four thousand words or whatever. Yeah. It's amazing. It's you learn so much in about fifteen minutes or however long it takes you to read it. 
yeah, it's it's a very different clientele Yahoo's shooting for is the very casual fantasy player and fan track is like, we're going to tell you about this guy you have never heard of and why you need to have heard of him. Right. So, yeah, it's pretty great. And as a serious fantasy player like myself, I always love that content. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, for sure. Even Because, I don't know, I have opinions on every player, just like you do, just like everyone does. But to hear a deep dive, maybe it changes my opinion or I learn something about said player um, that I didn't know. I don't know. Like, maybe they have a new pitch or maybe they change their swing. Uh, anything. Like, Fantrax HQ is the spot for that. And their podcasts are also amazing. But I'm yeah. not going to just keep telling you <laughs> Play on fan tracks. You should play on fan tracks if you haven't gotten that already. Right. <laughs> I feel like I work for fan tracks, even though I'm just a guy that's on your site all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess technically now I do because I produce their podcast. But even before that, I was doing so much product. Like, just, no, just go play here. Trust me. It's great. I'm not being paid to say this. Yeah. Go play there. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. I've never set up a league there. How long does it take you to set up a league on Fantrax? Um, depends on how involved the league is. Because um, they their settings let you do so many things. Um, but when you go to set it up, they have sort of an option of, hey, here's a pre-set up format mm. of what you would want kind of for a redraft or dynasty. And then you can just kind of tweak what you want within that. Um, or what I love is you can copy leagues, um, just the build, not any of the managers or players or anything. So like when I create a 30 for 30 for this draft, I actually just copied the 30 rock league over and then adjusted the things that were different and it was done. And then just filled in the managers. So yeah like, it's very intuitive and their support staff is great too if you have questions so right i was just gonna say so like 30 rock you guys had the kds and 30 for 30 we did it yep that's just like a little tweak right yeah none of that was done on fan tracks but yeah okay unless they added a kds but we did a weird kds where there was also player bidding it was like a double layered thing that became a massive spreadsheet for me yeah. which i love spreadsheets but man, that that one took me hours. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, that yeah. sounds intense. Yeah. Thirty teams with how and how many like oh, I don't right. even want to think about that. <laughs> and players bid and what they want. It yeah. Thankfully, one of the other managers in the league took a double check on it for me, so I felt like okay, I've got this right. But yeah. yeah. Oh, I really love playing in this in this thirty teamer because whoever you think you're gonna get, they don't come back to you. So no. when it when it is your pick, you literally have to think not just about your pick, but the next sixty picks before your next one, or however long you're like. It would be sixty if you're on the ends, but thankfully we're in the middle, uh, me and my co partner, so we are up every roughly thirty picks. Um, but it, it just makes you think so much harder about everything. And like like we talked about before the show, how you still have to do a deep dive on all the teams. Yeah, I like to do deep dives as drafts going. But there's just so many teams. I haven't even looked at more than maybe five other teams. 
Yeah, I, I did a 30-team mock a couple months ago that Dynasty Guru put on. And afterwards, they're like, hey, everyone, put in, like, your top five teams and your top five teams for prospects. And, like, you're looking at the draft board and you're just, like, trying to keep these teams straight as you're looking at millions of names. And you're just like, <laughs> I think I, I like this team better than that team. But wait, who is their, like, 50th best player? It's, yeah. It takes a bit more than, you know, hey, this TGFBI style league thing is up and you just kind of skim through the columns. You're like, oh, I like that team. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, the before the draft started, I, I was doing the math, and I was like, wait a second. I think we're drafting, like, 1,500 players. 18. 1,800. Yeah, yeah. exactly. My math yeah. was off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 30 teams, 60 players on each roster. Yeah. It's unreal. very deep. Unreal, man. I have at least 181 guys in my queue. <laughs> what? Yeah, man, I'm not even joking you. And they're all layered for where I want to take them. Wow. Um, yeah, so what I did what I did is I have my group of MLB players at the top that just whenever I need one, I just pluck off. Um, and then I have my prospects, I think, are superstars in the making. It doesn't matter their age, doesn't matter their ETA or anything. Just It's a superstar tier with about 15 guys in it. Um, I'd be happy with any amount from that tier. Then I have like my J2 tier with all the international guys. So that list, that tier probably has about 50 guys in it. Because I went wow. back, yeah, I went back to like 2017 J2 signings. Because um, they should be popping soon in the, in the majors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, so that's, that's how deep I'm going, brother. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So I'm curious, question for you. I've never done co-manage for a team. What's yeah. that been like? working with this sort of depth what's the like back and forth that sort of thing uh figuring that out with another manager it sounds like you guys have done this before so that certainly would help but okay so this my co-manager is like one of my all-time best friends he is my i don't know my right hand man when it comes to anything fantasy so anything i'm thinking or whatever i just bounce the ideas off of him he ask me questions all the time about his lineups, this and that. But the main thing is we both love all the same prospects and we Mm. both love baseball more than anything else. Like we love our kids. We love our families. Yes. (laughs) But I'm, I'm I'm not trying to diminish that at all. What I'm saying is our love for baseball. Like I have not met anyone other than him that loves it as much as me Mm. that like pays as much attention and does as much deep dives so for me it was a no-brainer to sign him up as um a co-partner for this sort of um adventure like a 30-team adventure and when i asked him about it like I th- we were doing the thanksgiving mock and you had put the thing and i said okay i'll get back to you i just need to check in on something well what i was checking was if my boy aaron wanted to join me on it because we had always talked about joining one of these things. We just never found one before. Mm. Um, so when you posted that, I messaged him. And about two seconds later, he's like, I'm in. And <laughs> I didn't even tell him the buy-in. I didn't even tell him when the draft was or anything. He was just in immediately. Um, so for that aspect, that was a no-brainer. Now, yeah. the part that is very, very tricky for me is I am such a creative drafter that... It is almost hard 
for me to like put it into words what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I have an end goal in mind and I, when I'm drafting on my own, have no problem getting to it because I go in any direction I want to. You can take anyone you want to. You don't have to consult with anyone. You just take your guy and no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When you have two players, or sorry, two people managing the same team, he also has the same opinions I have, but he has a different list. You know what I mean? So the guy at the top of his list was not the guy guy at the top of my list for pretty much every pick except for maybe four so far so then what happens is we kind of like i don't know one of us compromises and is like okay well let's take your guy here and hopefully my guy slips to the next round so since my picks have already happened that i'm kind of talking about here i'll just tell you who it was so i wanted edwin rios for about five rounds i just (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I have, I don't know, something about Edwin Rios when I watch him. I just see really big things for this guy. Yeah, I know his strikeouts are a bit much, but when he connects with the ball, it's gone. Uh, yeah. his, his power is unbelievable. He's 70-grade raw power. Um, he's in going to be near the middle of the Dodgers lineup or just outside the middle of it. Either way, that's fine by me because I love the Dodgers lineup. What's not uh, like there, right? No, and yeah, and I'm looking at everyone thinks he's supposed to be replacing Turner, but I think he's replacing Jock Peterson. Um, mm. because Peterson was a lefty, right? He yeah. Rios doesn't play outfield, but they have Bellinger, who's now out uh, their center fielder, and they can also move uh, Chris Taylor to the outfield, which opens up spots in the infield for Rios to play. Max Muncie can play third. Rios can play first. Whatever. The Dodgers lineup is so creative. They'll, they'll get his bat into the lineup versus right-handed pitchers. I guarantee you that. Um, so anyway, that's my little speech on Evan Rios. But the point is, I <laughs> am in love with this guy, but my co-manager doesn't like him. So I kind of had to put my pride aside for a good four rounds and just say, you know what? It's fine. If someone else takes them, it is what it is. There's tons of power bats. We'll just find another one later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just kind of was like, dude, all right, it's cool. I don't, I'm not going to beat you up because we can't take Edwin Rios, whatever. So then we took Rowdy Telez first because we felt like he was a lot more safer. Uh, he's guaranteed in the Jays lineup. Uh, he had a swing change last year. Um, he started hitting lefties really well. He hit 333 against them last year. So we don't feel like he's a platoon bat anymore. Um, and when looking for a first baseman, those were the two guys I kind of had lined up. A lot of the guys at the top um, just went too high. We we couldn't get them. So they weren't an option for us. When it got to the point where we knew which, who our options were, I really focused in on Rowdy and Edwin, Ria, Edwin Rios as my, my mains. Uh, so it was a give and take between us where it was like, okay, you're a Jays guy. This is your guy. We'll get we'll get Rowdy first, and then it got to a point in round thirteen. He's like, you know what? He's like, just take whoever you want. Um, so he was, you kind of gotta trust your your co manager. You know what I mean? Like, would I ever do this again? No, I'll never co manage again, <laughs> ever. And it has it has nothing to do with my boy Aaron. It yeah. has everything to do with just I just can't do it, man. I just can't. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot to manage. It, it's For it's sure. so tough because it's just I when I evaluate players, I do it way different than than anyone else does. Or maybe they do it the same as me, but I'm not doing the traditional, oh, I just look up box scores or I look up how many homers, how many RBI. Like I'm literally deep diving into video, into Statcast, um, into fan graphs, everything I could find. Um, so I really have an idea about who this guy is as a player and where I should be taking him. And if I feel like his value is lined up with the draft pick, that's on me. My my partner has complete different evaluations on the same players, and I have to convince him now why it's a good pick. Whereas right. it's just adding a whole another layer to this draft that it was never there before. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot, man. So sorry for the long answer, but <laughs> no, that's it, great. It's that's what it it's like, and we're only in round fifteen. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you can we imagine to go, how yeah. I'm gonna feel at the end. But I like I said, I love the guy. I wouldn't do this with anybody else because I trust his opinion. Um, he knows fantasy baseball. He's played for a long time, so yeah, uh, it's it's a good partner to have. You wouldn't want to go in here with someone who doesn't know what they're doing. I'll say that much for sure. Yeah, or someone you don't know well. Like, I've talked about managing with people before, but it's always people who, one, I know I think like, and two, that I know we can disagree on it and we'll figure it out, not yeah. just two people who are going to bash heads all the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you one more pick. Okay, Victor Reyes, I just took in the 15th round. I had wanted since about the 8th. So, so high on Victor Reyes. I am so high on him, bro. Here's why. I'm a guy, I love hit tool, I love power, and I love speed. Those are everything I look for in prospects. But for Victor Reyes, he's doing it in the MLB. He's got a 50 hit tool, he's got 50 power, and he's got, I think, 60 speed or 50 speed. Um, that is, if that was a prospect, would you not be all over that? Mm. So he's... In a 30-team league, he's doing it in the MLB, and he's the leadoff man for the Tigers. Sure, it's the Tigers, but whatever. They got some pieces I like. They're going to score runs. They're not going to get shut out every single game. Um, (laughs) And this dude, I don't know. My max projection probably would be like uh, 2020 at the absolute most, which is 20 homers, 20 steals, with about 275 uh average 325 OVP and like i don't know 370 slug which in our league um it's the average doesn't matter because average doesn't count it's OVP and slug so that's pretty good man yeah most of the power speed guys you're going to find a lot of strikeouts um which his his ratio isn't the best but i feel like he makes enough contact to make up for it where a lot of the other power speed guys there's so much swing and miss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, this is why having a co-manager was a good thing. Because he was like, you know what? He's like, I really like Corbin Carroll. And I'm like, dude, Corbin Carroll is literally at the top of my prospect list. I just felt like we needed an MLB guy. That's why I wanted Victor Reyes. And he's like, no, we're going Corbin Carroll. 
And I'm like, yes, we are going Corby Carroll. So that's a pick right there where it was a no-brainer. And then the next pick, too, Grayson Rodriguez. No-brainer. We both wanted him. He was the top pitcher on our list. It, so those picks make it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good to have confirmation sometimes, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But for the, for the most part, dude, I love drafting so much. And I love, I don't know, I just take teams in so many different directions that it's <laughs> just every team is its own adventure. So this draft in the 30 for 30 is its own adventure. Um, it's probably the only team I'm ever going to co-manage in baseball. So there's that. It's probably the only 30 teamer I'll ever be in. There's that. There's so <laughs> many, like, there's so many factors in this league. It's absolutely insane. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, question for you. How, uh, how many 30 teamers do you run? Uh, this is just the second. Okay. Yeah. Do you plan yeah. on running more? If there's enough interest, um, 30 teamers are one of those beasts of like people want to do it. And then I think they realize what all it takes right? and and kind of get scared. Um, So yeah, if there were people who wanted to run or to play one, I would certainly put it together. Um, I feel like now that I've done one, I know the ins and outs of it and what goes wrong and what's good. Um, So yeah, that'd be, I'd be game to do that if a bunch of people wanted to. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, like, as I was talking, I want to do another 30-teamer by myself and see how my team I did by myself compares to the team I did co-managing. Okay, yeah. So if you run one, I'm in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, you got, if you a bunch got of your listeners want to do it, too, they can hit me up and we'll get one going. Yeah, I'll try and get Micah in, too, man. He might want to go in. Um. um so let's set up the 30-teamer that we keep talking about, the 30 for 30. Yeah. Uh, can you just basically give a quick rundown, um, some of the rules, and I don't know, just the whole 30 for 30? Yeah, so it's a 30-team uh, dynasty league, 60 players. Um, the The lineups are pretty much major league lineups if you count the DH. So nine hitters, nine pitchers, and then 42 bench spots. And I don't distinguish major league, minor league with bench. Um, You can put people in your minor league slots for organizational purposes, but it's just 42. And that way, I hate it in leagues when you've got someone like in your minor league slot and they get called up, but you know they're just going to be there for two days and it makes your roster illegal. So you have to drop some major leaguer to move them in. That's the mm-hmm. worst. But if it's all just one big bench number and it's just your total roster has to be 60, and you just flip them onto the bench for those two days and then flip them right back down. Doesn't impact your overall roster at all. Um, other things, uh, it's fab bidding uh, once a week for ad drops. In the other league, we started it with more, um, but the waiver wire, when 1,800 players are on, is pretty bare. Um, There were times last year I would just check it, and it would be backup catchers and really bad middle relievers if you wanted someone who was already in the big leagues. So it's not like you're going to have someone get injured, and if you don't have one on your roster to replace them, there's probably not someone on the waiver anyways. 
So once a week ads was more than enough. Um, there's mins and maxes uh, on innings pitch and at bats, but that's really more about have an active roster. Right. Um, you can't in this league have your entire roster filled with minor leaguers. You need to field 18 major league players. Um, and that can be hard sometimes if you're a rebuilding team. Um, but you make it work. And the thing I did change from my other league to this one is changing both now. Is if you have someone get injured, they can still count as that. You just have to leave them in. Don't put them on your IL. Because okay. um, like I had managers last year be like, this guy got injured and there's literally no major league shortstop for me to add on the yeah. uh, drive. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that's fair. Okay. Um, it's just it's so deep. You run into problems like that. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, pretty standard stuff. Um, trades. Yeah, they're completely allowed and encouraged. I love trades. I love making them. It's fun mm-hmm. to see other people make them. Same. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of the overview. Um, this league, I mean, you you can put the link out there too to the draft board, but the draft board looks like any other draft board most people have seen when you get a thirty teamer. It is just a different beast. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're really fun. And I don't. I'm not even drafting a team, and I think it's really fun to follow, <laughs> um, which maybe says more about me than it does the league. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, good stuff. So, yeah. Well, man, you're don't show, don't sell yourself short. You're a great drafter too. We were in the Thanksgiving draft together, um, which was also an incredibly deep league. Not 30 teams, but it was uh, 16 teams by 50 rounds. So there was 800 people going. Um, and there was a ton of guys from the industry in there. So that was really a good practice for this draft for me. Um, what did you think about that Thanksgiving draft? Because this episode is actually going to be the wrap up to my mini series I have been doing about that draft. Um, so I'm glad I could bring you on a fellow drafter in that to talk about it. Uh, what did you think about the Thanksgiving draft? Yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, shout out to jake uh at gator sosa who put that on um yeah i mean i i love drafting so it was fun to do that um have something to do when everyone else was asleep after eating thanksgiving yeah um but yeah i did not actually really love how my draft played out in that league um i i find it always interesting in dynasties this deep how to how you can try to kind of play the middle in terms of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of hoping to go with a younger leaning team, maybe more of a compete year two, three sort of team, which it certainly could be. Things just have to click right. Yeah. Um, which right off the back, I kind of screwed up by no one in the top four taking Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sitting there at five and I'm like, how do I not take Mike Trout, even though he's 30, but also he's Mike Trout. So right. I took Mike Trout. Um, <laughs> you have to. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I guess I could go Bellinger maybe, but it's, it's Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started out with Trout and then, right. My lineup or my lineup, my roster from there is certainly young and I, I like the top of it. Um, I mean, I got Wander in the second round, so hard to complain there. 
Amazing. Uh, and then you're right, Moncada, Lux, Carlson, Nate Pearson, K. Rob, Soroka, Montas. Actually, as I'm looking at this again, I actually kind of like this. It's really uh, good, bro. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm looking at this again. I was like, actually, I like this roster. Yeah. Um, keep going. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> um, yeah. I have Sinzel, who I'm not convinced he's awful yet. Um, Same here. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, some upside plays like Whitley. He could be an ace. He could burn out or be a reliever. Um, so yeah, I'll, I mean, right. By the time you're in the 18th round of a 16 team draft, you're starting to get thinner. Um, but right. I got some value on guys. I like, I got Alzalay, um, who a little bit of a Homer pick, but what he did when he came up, he had some new pitches. He was throwing them well. The command was there. I think he could be something good. Yeah. It's fastball's um, electric too. Yeah, the guy is talented. I love love his fastball. (laughs) Yeah, sweet. Affirmation. I love it. Great Um, take. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Um, I like Dalton Varsho. Me and Michael just did a podcast the other day where we said he's one of our favorite sleepers of the year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Varsho and Kirk. If I can pair those two in a, like, two-catcher redraft, I'm happy. Um, okay. I think, I mean, I'm kind of hoping he gets enough of the Schwarber treatment where it's like, you play catcher enough to keep it eligible. Same here. <laughs> and if he doesn't, oh, well, but I'm kind of hoping, I mean, this isn't even a real league, but if it were, that's what yeah. I'd be dreaming on. Um, I, 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 yeah. I treated it like it was a real league. Yeah. I mean, you got to do that when you're doing a mock. I'm just right. I guess is eligibility doesn't actually impact me for this week because True. <laughs> right so i like to pick even better <laughs> yeah. it's it's a good thing to dream on and i don't actually have to deal with the consequences of it right so even great. better yeah um yeah what what stood out to you about how i built I could, this roster yeah i couldn't believe some of the prospects you were getting late uh like george valera because mm, I, yeah. I, I know how much James Anderson likes Valera. So it was kind of a shock that he was still sitting there this late because of yeah. how, like, he jumped on Tyler Freeman real soon and Heliot Ramos, too. But, anyways, we're, <laughs> shout out to James Anderson. Dude's amazing. <laughs> um, the thing, the guys I wanted to ask you about your team, because it, it was such a deep draft and there were so many guys being drafted. I know pretty much, I would say, 95% of your team, and I love your mm. team. Uh, I even love that you backed up Varsho with, like, Dylan Dingler. I have <laughs> high expectations for Dingler, man. Uh, the kid looks really good. But my question to you, I have a group of guys that I've never heard of. So I'm going <laughs> yeah. to list the whole group to you. And why don't you just, I don't know, pick out a few that you have a few points on. So yeah. the, the group is Dax Fulton, Jared Jones, Errol Vera, Johan Rojas, Miguel Vargas, and Shurton Apostle. Yeah, so the first two, uh, Fulton and Jones, were both actually drafted this last year. Um, and uh, what would that be? Second mm-hmm. round, I guess. Um, 40, 44. Um, Fulton, 
is coming off TJ, so we'll see where he goes. Um, but good fastball, good curveball, could maybe be a starter. And uh, what pick did I take him at? I just have the screen grab of your team. It doesn't actually have the pitch. Yeah, I got it. Here. Oh, he was my last pick. Okay. 796. I'll take a flyer on a high <laughs> at 796. If um, he turns into anything, it's a success. If the guy plays Major League Baseball, I'm happy. There you go. Um, and that's kind of the same with Jones, who I took right before that 773, also drafted this year. Um, also a pitcher. And I, I'm pretty much on that there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. So if I'm going to dream on one, I'll dream on them late and take some upside and hopefully one of the seven of them sticks kind of thing. That's a great point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he's an SP2 or 3. Maybe he never pitches above high A. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, with no minor leagues this year, nothing was really seen of him. But, yeah. Um, and Vera is kind of in that same boat. He was a... 2019 international signing to the angels he's this 18 year old i think now venezuelan kid who who knows (laughs) yeah he's got some pop but right without minor leagues we haven't seen him do anything so that's also very much just a like well the angels gave him 2.2 million to play and at 732 in the draft yeah i always look at i love looking at the money too when i'm looking up j2 guys i'm like Okay, who is this guy, and why did they just pay him $4 million at 16? Right. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> Anyways, so, go Yeah, on. I mean, it's telling, right? If, if yeah. we at least hope that major league scouting departments know what the heck they're doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, Rojas is a little further along. Um, he's in the uh, Philly system. And kind of power, speed, upside, play, again, Late in drafts, if I'm taking a prospect, I'm looking at ceiling a little more than floor mm-hmm. um, because I just want someone who maybe will click because there's plenty of floor guys that'll exist. Definitely. Um, yeah, Vargas, he might soar up again. It's an upside play. He's in the Dodgers system. I trust the Dodgers. Um, great bat-to-ball sorry, skill. Yeah. Um, so that could certainly carry. Uh, Apostle was sort of the outlier here and honestly kind of took him because I needed a first baseman. Um, He got a (laughs) cup of coffee this last year um, with the Rangers and I have Joey Votto at first base who is old. So um, yeah, Apostle power, decent average probably and he'll play probably some corner spot. Um, and I'm kind of just betting on the fact that the Rangers are awful, and so yeah. he's going to get at bats. Um, I should check. I think he may be their number one on the depth chart right now for first. So it's like, yeah, he's still what young. About, what about uh, Guzman? Do we still believe in Guzman? Uh oh, man, I have oh, such high hope for him. Never mind. It's non Sheraton. When I drafted him, it might have been him. But now it's Nalo. Yeah, they just got him two days ago. Yeah. Or, or, or whatever, three days ago. Oh, 
I love you know? I love that trade, man. Like Texas knows now that he has playing time to see what he can do. Yeah, I see. I took him in this Thanksgiving draft. <laughs> okay. Before Good he was traded. Because in this one, they had a middle infield spot and mm-hmm. corner infield spot. So as soon as I drafted him, I'm like, you're my corner infielder. Perfect. I love to dream on a guy with OBP skills like like Nate Lowe has. Because he's got the power. Like, you see it. There's enough videos you can watch of him jacking home runs. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really like is the OBP uh, because if you look at his minor league numbers, it's off the charts. Uh, but enough about Nate Lowe for a second. <laughs> I have a question about your end of draft strategy um, by going after all these relatively unknown prospects. See with my strategy, um, I'll just tell you what it was quickly. I reached for prospects throughout the whole draft with the idea that I was going to fill out my MLB team in the later rounds. Um, And then also while picking up the scraps that were left over uh, that people forgot about, like a Gage Workman, um, something like that. Yeah. I'm curious if it makes more sense to target guys that are a little bit clear um, in the prospect picture Earlier, say, this was a 50-round draft, so let's say from picks 30 to 40, and then your picks 40 to 50 could have all been uh, mediocre MLB players. Like, Mm -hmm. you would have had higher prospects in the uh, 30 to 40 range than you got in the 40 to 50 range. Um, But you would have just switched so that your MLB players are coming in those rounds instead of in the later ones. Yeah. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I, I I vary that a little bit depending on my build. So right, if I'm going more win now, I'm obviously going to take more of the major leaguers early and say the Flyers and hope some of them stick. Right. Um, so are you thinking like rounds 30 to 40 going more prospects and then flip into just all the really old dudes at the end? Exactly. So for example... Uh, I'm not sure if he was already drafted or not, but maybe in round 30, go after Cespedes. Not, mm-hmm. not Ioannis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. his, I gotcha. Or, or even like, uh, what's Devers, uh, Raphael Devers' cousin's name on my, in the Miami system? I do not recall. Okay, anyways, basically yeah. what I'm saying is they were these guys that you're drafting, but just a year ago, you're just paying an extra 10 spots up to take mm-hmm. them because they're closer and you know more of what they can do. And then you're grabbing, um, for example, like your Jesse Hans in rounds 40 to 50. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it, I'm trying to remember now since this was a mock. Yeah. I don't remember if Jake said field an active lineup or not. Right. Um, but I think I wanted. I went into it saying I want to make sure I walk out of this with a major league roster, just because I think that's a better dynasty setup, um, and kind of like what we've got in thirty for thirty. So that was part of it. Was it's like okay, Joey Votto is at least productive, right. um, and I was also feeling at that point in the draft like okay, I've got a lot of young guys, but they're major league young guys or close at least. So it's possible 
an elite this deep, they could click. And if I've got some complimentary pieces, maybe something good happens. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you make a good point. Um, it's something I should sort of ponder some more yeah. uh, about what if you just say, whatever, I'll pick up even the more scrappy scraps 10 yeah. rounds later and give me some of those higher level um, prospects. Because, right, I mean, I'm looking at some of the prospects going off the board in those rounds. Yeah, I mean, some of them are interesting. Some of them I'm also like, I don't know if I care about you that much more than the guys I've got. Because, like, once you get out of that top tier, you're really starting to, like, okay, well, whose tools do you want to bet on here? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think that's a really good question and something in a league of this stuff to really ponder um depending on your strategy right yeah oh. yeah for me okay i'll give you a little bit of my breakdown for your 30 for 30 what i wanted to do was really attack the top 50 prospects so it got to a point where i had a list of 10 guys that i knew in the first five or six rounds we could get easily and for me, it was I'm going out of my way um, to get at least two or three of them that I can really build my team around. While also at the same time, getting my MLB players who are better than their ADP. Um, that was a real key to me. For example, I got uh, Chris Bryant in the fourth in a 30-team league. I got Whit Merrifield in the fifth round in a 30-team league. I got German Marquez in the sixth. You know what I mean? All these guys to me are all safe. And I knew I had a number of those guys that were also in a bubble for me that were just after me reaching on um, the prospects I wanted, which were Marco Luciano and Sixto Sanchez. Uh, Luciano for me was the number one option on my board because... Kalenic and Wander Franco were both gone. Uh, Luciano's number three, in my opinion. So he's at the top of the list. He's a guy, even if we don't want to build around him, depending how the draft goes, imagine the haul we could get if we trade Marco Luciano. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that is always in the back of my mind. And then I'm also thinking, okay, who is a prospect that's slipping for no good reason? And that's how we landed on Christian Pache of Atlanta. For some reason, a lot of people are, are low on him after last mm-hmm. year. I have no idea why. Uh, what were they expecting? He wasn't even ready to come up last year, and they called him up anyways. It's because his defense is so good. It's gonna play, he's going to play every day because of his glove alone. Um, that was something I also wanted uh, some assurance on, is that he's actually going to be in the lineup. and. Mm-hmm. With his defensive skills, he's never leaving the lineup, in my opinion. <laughs> Even if he bats ninth, that's fine, because we need MLB players. But my goal was to get MLB players that are young, that I can have on my team while they're growing. Um, and that's Christian Pache, a million percent right there. Uh, he's going to be on Atlanta, most likely day in and day out next season, um, as the starting one of the outfield spots. Uh, depending where they put Akuna and whatnot. But basically, we get to watch him live. And for me, he was more valuable 
than an 18-year-old kid who we're not going to see for another four years if we even see them. So at least I can bank on him playing. Whatever happens next, that's up to him. But that safety of having a guy like him in uh, in the seventh round might be a reach. But at the same time, I feel like he's safe uh, because he's playing. And he's got the power and speed combo, which I like. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that was kind of my strategy. Reach for prospects I felt safest with. So I reached on Luciano, Sixto, Christian Pache, uh, Corbin Carroll, Grayson Rodriguez. Those were my reaches. And then from that mm-hmm. point on, I was like, we need to get our MLB team, dude. Like, let's let all the rest of the prospects go. Who cares? Um, it's all right. Because we, we have a really good core we can build around. And we felt it was important to get our MLB team rolling. And right now, at the end of round 15, I absolutely love our MLB team. I feel like I would go into a, a redraft with this team. And it's in a 30-teamer, bro. So that's sort of a little bit of my strategy. Um, the main thing was the guys I'm drafting on my MLB offense are going to have a purpose. Uh, guys like Edwin Rios, uh, Rowdy Telez, Chris Bryant. Here's my power. Guys like Whit Merrifields and uh, even Pache to an extent. Uh, Isaiah Kinner-Falefa and Victor Reyes. There's my speed, guys. Uh, I plan on drafting a few of the high-end um, prospects with outrageous speed, like Khalil Lee. He's high on my list for that, for the stolen bases. Um, and I also feel like that's an easy category uh, to find in prospects. It's probably the easiest, because mm. it's the easiest skill to grade. What do you think about that? Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think it is... I think my one concern would be sometimes those, like, it is the easiest grade to skill to grade mm-hmm. other than maybe raw power, but I still think it's just, I mean, you time them. But one, speed doesn't always mean steals. True. And two, if that, I mean, look at Billy Hamilton. We thought he was going to be something, but he doesn't get enough playing time and he doesn't get on base enough to actually ever run. Right. So, like, you need those complementary things, but I think. Right, it certainly is an easy tool to grade, and right, there's always going to be another speed guy you might have always. to trade from, but they're there, right? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, when you have speed, you fly through the ranks. Um, yep. Teams, yeah. are, MLB teams will will bring you up, even for a playoff run, just because you're the fastest guy in the organization. <laughs> yeah, and they also actually really help in leagues like this. Because okay, this is Roto, but when you've got 30 teams, first place gets 30 points from a single category. Right. So, I mean, even in the last week of 30 Rock last year, first pace, first top three, four were flipping yeah. because it would be, you know, one great pitching performance or someone else had an awful one and their ERA dropped. Suddenly you went up seven spots. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more movability than there is in a 15 team roto or anything like that yeah um, yeah yeah i was in a 16 team roto last year and pretty much held held the lead the entire season except for maybe one weekend um so all i did was just kept adding to the numbers i was leading in uh mm-hmm. and when you do that when you do that you're gonna dominate 
So I tell that to guys I give advice to all the time. Uh, one of my favorite strategies is keep building up your strength. If my yeah. strength, if my strength is pitching, I'm going all in on pitching because like you said, we want to win as many of the pitching categories as we can. And if our strength is pitching, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and then for bats, all you got to do is throw in steals and speed. And if you're at the top in both of them, or sorry, steals and speed are the same thing. I meant speed and power. <laughs> <laughs> if you're at the top in both of them, there's 60 points plus you're dominating pitching. So I feel like we're already not we're already, but we, we still have a long way to go. But we have a very good plan in place here to also be at the top in OBP and slugging. Um, while being at the top in homers and steals, while also having a very good MLB staff. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we got, in my opinion, four or five of the top 50 prospects in the game. Uh, so we're not just building an MLB team, we're building a minor league team too. That's going to be a beast in a couple years. Um, and also, there's always that if we need a piece, the best part about building a minor league team is don't get attached to it. Focus on building your MLB team to be the best. Uh, and that doesn't mean sacrificing prospects for nothing. Like I think mm-hmm. about, we, we already brought it up, the uh, K-Rob uh, trade that uh, Eric Cross made for, for Chris Bryant. Um, that's a trade that me and my co-manager, Bobcat, are going to be doing at one point with one of these top prospects because mm-hmm. you now own that bat you're acquiring for not just this season. You own them. Um, so it's not to say that you couldn't get a prospect just as good as K-Rob back in a year, uh, who may be a year away, but if you're not going to play Christian Robinson anyways, what's the point of even owning it? (laughs) So the main goal is to win. It doesn't mean you have to sacrifice everything to do it. Just be smart about it, but never forget what the purpose of playing fantasy sports is. Um, yeah, it's fun, but for the most part, don't you want to win the daily, like the, the yearly prize? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly more of a go for the win and right. I mean, some of the teams are certainly trying to build up just a prospect pool that in three years, maybe they will be a jug or not, but that's a gamble. Um, I mean, there's always gambles, but prospects, fail all the time even top ones you know jerks and profar true he's okay he was the one one guy consensus across the board so right there's certainly a risk in that um so yeah i think there's a lot of logic to what you're saying of trying to you know you're not ignoring prospects right you're also not hoarding them and honestly you've got some guys who are pretty close so maybe they'll contribute soon. But if not, right, those teams that want all of the prospects, if they've got anyone of value to trade at least, will to help a major league roster, that is, then you can try for them, right? And yeah. go for it, yeah. So the one point I will make about what you just said is I backed up Luciano with Luis Matos mm-hmm. just to give myself the option to trade one of them at one point um, mm-hmm. for whoever. Because I don't want to own too many from the same team. Because what are the chances of all of them hitting, right? 
Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know. And there's still a few more giants that I want to own later on. Like, I love Logan Wyatt, uh, their first base prospect. I don't know. I found this guy when we were doing the Thanksgiving draft on YouTube. Um, and I was looking up his stats. He recently played in the Cape Cod League with a wooden bat instead of aluminum. And he crushed it, which really helped him uh, actually get drafted by the Giants by doing that. Um mm-hmm. So anyways, he's he's a beast of a man. I love Logan Wyatt. And if I want to own all these giants, uh, I got to kind of have a plan with them because I'm not building a Giants dynasty team. I'm trying, <laughs> like, you want to pick the best player from the Giants, of course. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to kind of have a plan. Don't go into it and over jump players to stick to a plan. I feel like that is how you can really hurt uh, your overall draft is by forcing a plan to happen. If somebody falls in your lap, you just have to take them. Um, don't even think about it. Like, I didn't want to go back to back to back in the middle rounds uh, with Pache, Corbin Carroll, and Grayson Rodriguez. But we felt like they all fell in our lap and we really valued them high. Um, and like you said, there's no real, like, pitching prospects are insane. So I felt really safe with Grayson Rodriguez because of how many pitches he has um, and his size. I don't know. It just he felt safe to me a lot more than a lot of these other pitching prospects um, because he has more than one or two pitches. And I think of him like I think of Nate Pearson, a guy that you drafted in this one, uh, in the Thanksgiving one, because he has that pitch mix and all of his pitches are plus pitches. Um, Yeah. And that's going to be Grayson, I feel like. Yeah, and he's closer. And as pitching prospects get closer, you can begin to believe in them a little bit more, in my opinion. I mean, the injury risk is obviously still there, but yeah, there's, a, I, there's fewer questions. Yeah, th- that injury is always, like, when I'm dreaming on these 6'5 pitchers who are so good <laughs> at such a young age, you just know they're going for TJ at one point, man. You just know it's going to happen. You don't want it to happen. The organization doesn't want it to happen, but it's inevitable, man. You shouldn't be doing that to your arm at such a young <laughs> age that many times. You know what I mean? Like, And especially now that spin rate is such a thing, I feel like we're going to see even more injuries moving forward. I, I, unless there's a shift in how we throw the ball or something, but that will decrease velocity. So yeah, it'll not- be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, the yeah, one yeah. good thing I think about some of the more recent prospects that have come out, I think of Zach Gallen and his control, is he's really showing teams you don't have to just draft these hundred mile an hour guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get away with a guy throwing ninety two, ninety three if he has control and good movement, um, knows what he's doing with his pitches, has a good pitch mix. You can get away with it, man. You don't need a hundred. Yeah. yeah, I mean Kyle Hendricks has perfect example been doing it. Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to do the Cubs and Kyle and Maddox thing. He's not Greg Maddox, but he's really dang good, and he doesn't throw the ball that yeah. hard. So, yeah, it's it's doable. It's certainly becoming more of an anomaly, but, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just they need to protect these kids. Um, I hate seeing it, man, and it happens every year. Like, I really was about to draft uh, Nick Bitsko this last round. Mm. I think Bitsko was one of the best arms that came out of this draft. 
and he wasn't even really supposed to be in this draft. And then he jumped in <laughs> it and went first round, man. Like, the Rays know what's up. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to fool Tampa. But anyways, <laughs> he, he had surgery, man. He had to get, uh, he had a torn labrum. Um, and he's 19. So how's that going to affect him? I don't know. In a 30-team league, I didn't want to risk it yet. So mm-hmm. I let him go. Yeah. He's probably going to get drafted before my next pick. Whatever, man. It is what it is. I'll go with Kochanowitz or Ethan Small. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always options, right? Yeah, so I, I think one of the, the big things you said is have a strategy. Don't force it. Right. But also, like, you didn't say this, but you clearly have been hinting at it. Don't throw it out the window, though, just because you're not forcing it, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a plan when you're going into drafts. And especially going into drafts of this size, if you walk into a 30 team draft and don't have at least a base of a plan, mm-hmm. you're done. Totally. Now, the plan might change. You might think, I'm going to go in now and then just see prospect after prospect who's, ooh, that value's too good, or vice versa. Yeah. But you need a plan. And if you change the plan, know why you changed the plan. Don't just be like, I don't like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Have reason. Yeah. It Otherwise, is... you are going to end up in the middle and just be stuck. And in this sort of league, rebuilds don't go quickly. No, because it's so deep. So yeah, hundred percent. I'm just thinking about like the first year player draft. <laughs> like, bro, if you don't have a top, I don't know, twenty five pick, it gets real dicey in baseball drafts after that. Hmm. So you can't really even rely on the first year player draft to rebuild. So you no, really you have to, you have to crush this draft. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yep. And you can't really change up your plan in the middle of a draft either. It's too late. There's not enough players left, uh, at least MLB wise. Yeah, not in the middle. Um, if you see something really early, you can. So like I know in Thirty Rock. Eric Cross came into it thinking he was going to go in now, took Max Scherzer in the third round. But then was seeing how many teams were going heavy in now yeah. and shifted. We also had trades in draft in that one. So he traded Scherzer during the draft, um, which we don't have here. But right, those sorts of things and the in trade, in draft trades add a whole nother level of complexity. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad we don't have it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it just, it's super fun. But also we drafted that like right when everyone was locked at home. So I think people had a little more availability to, you know, make sure they were paying attention to, hey, this trade's on the block or this fix on the block. And right now it would just be a mess. Like if you're at work, if you're at work, you can't have your phone with you. Like you just get, you miss out on stuff. So, uh, yeah, I am. Standing behind the decision to not do that 100%. Yeah, no. I, I'll back you on that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm battling enough, like, with all these new elements. Like, I don't... I, I just want to be clear. Like, I love drafting with my boy Bobcat. But at the same time, um, it's just a whole other element that I've never had to deal with before. And it's just different. That's the best way I can say it. It's just a whole different ball game Because you have to value his opinion. You have to value what he's saying. And at the same time, you have to remember you're sharing the team. So it's com- like I've never had to deal with this. It's an absolute adventure. Um, having so much fun doing it. Uh, 
my phone has not been off Fangraphs or or Fantrax or <laughs> or Roto World or whatever. It's, it's my phone has just been hooked um, this whole time, and I'm uncovering all these players. You've taught us, taught me some new players today. Taught the podcast some new players. Um, was really very uh, interesting to hear about all the leagues you run and how you set it up and stuff like that. Um, do you want to plug actually where we can go find you uh, online? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the easiest thing to do is just go to uh, my Twitter account at Dynasty One Stop, all spelled out. Um, the website is linked there. Uh, you can also find my podcast, the Commissioner's Office, there or pretty much on every podcasting platform, um, which we have had some great guests on. We're only a couple episodes in, but we've talked to Michael Simeone with SP Streamer. We had uh, Rosen, or almost said his Twitter handle, Jordan yeah. Rosenblum, who works at the Dynasty Guru. And then last episode was Eric Cross and uh, Chris Clegg, and an episode that once we get the technical quirks from this last recording worked out, We'll be dropping with uh, Jake Devereaux and Shelly Verstraight. Uh, that was a great conversation, too. So check that out. We talk uh, draft strategy. Um, we talk 30 Rock, especially with Jordan. So go take a listen to that, um, you know, because you definitely need more baseball in your ears. Definitely. So, but, yeah, you can find my website there um, off my Twitter handle and see what I offer. Um, yeah, if you want to join a league hit me up um we just filled up the 14 team head to head so that will start drafting in a couple days we have spots still in a 15 team points dynasty startup and if you have a league you're dreaming on we can build it and we can recruit um so yeah feel free to hit me up uh, dms on twitter or shoot me an email which is also dynasty one stop at gmail.com um yeah happy to chat yeah honestly nate nathan is one of the nicest guys i've met on twitter honestly i what have i known you for like a couple weeks now since the thanksgiving month yeah yeah and yeah like i can't thank you enough for joining me on this podcast it's been a blast um you're a great commissioner from what i've seen so far (laughs) (laughs) if if i have any problems i'll bring you back on the podcast and there (laughs) (laughs) sound good (laughs) yeah we can hash them out live yeah all right, sweet. Uh, I will. I I do plan on doing another podcast once this draft is wrapped up. I'm going to ask a few of the other members from this draft to join us, um, and my co-manager is going to come on as well. So Nathan, you're more than welcome to come back for that if you want to. Yeah, yeah. As long as the scheduling works, I'd be happy to. Well, we'll work. We'll work around the commission, man. We'll be at the <laughs> okay. commission's office. <laughs> But no, man, honestly, thanks again. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening to this show. Uh, Let me know what you think about my team. Um, Let Nathan know what you think about his work. And yeah, enjoy, uh, enjoy the holidays, which are coming soon. Stay safe. Don't forget to wear a mask and wash your hands, all that good stuff. And thanks again. Thanks again to you, Nate. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's fun. All right, no worries. Take care, bro. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening, and as a gift from me to you, some bonus content with the commish.
injured. Did did you pick a guy that like from that group I sent you? Um, we can chat about a number of them if you want. I had some time to do some digging, so okay. I can give little brief things on each one. All right, yeah, because literally I know everybody else that you drafted, obviously, um, and I like all of them. But then I saw a lot of these names, and I was like, "Are we talking in the um, Thanksgiving one?" Uh, Thanksgiving one. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I was looking some of these up in our league. I'm like, they haven't even drafted yet. <laughs> I'm talking about them, and I was like, "Oh, you mean on the other team?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I want to ask you about them specifically because yeah. maybe I'll draft them later. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, some of these were certainly like late in the draft to me, just like looking at a deep prospect list and then doing a very deep a shallow dive on them be like yep good enough it's a ma sounds good but yeah i dug a little deeper after you sent that so i can chat a bit on that okay sounds good yeah Yeah, there was uh a lot of picks in that draft like with the experts and stuff i was like okay i gotta write this name down check them out um Because these guys know a lot of people that yeah. they, they, they might not broadcast, but they're like they're they're sneaky favorites or something. Yeah. I mean Eric and Chris are both in the other 30 teamer. So if I want to know about a prospect, I just kind of look at their roster and see if they own them. True. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing with James Anderson in the Thanksgiving <laughs> one. I forgot he was in this draft. Yeah, man. And so uh so was Ben Wilson. Yeah, Ben's in my other league too. Um, even Andy Patton too from Pitcher List. Like that was a stacked draft, man. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of the guys who are in that. The, the guy who set it up. I mean, he's in this draft too, but he's in a number of leagues with me. So, um, who set it up? Uh, crap. I think it was Jake. So Gator Sosa. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I know Jake. I've known Jake a long time, not yeah. personally, but like on Twitter. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, oh yeah, he's great. He actually followed me before I was even an analyst. <laughs> yeah, that's how good of a guy he is. <laughs> the the, yeah. fun, the funny thing is, is like every sport has such diehard fans that like it's very rare to find a diehard in all three. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody has their niche, and I mean I've gotten along really well with. Um, Mendy from Triple Play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're like kind of like us, and I haven't really found many others that are covering three sports. Like, it's tough, man. Yeah. To do all three is a lot. I mean, some of the like big name guys do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, Jeff Eric. DBR does football and baseball. I don't know if he does basketball at all, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I didn't realize like how much work I was taking on when I started this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, podcasts are deceptively uh, time-consuming. It's not just the recording part; it's like everything that leads up to it too. I literally have leads like up and after, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I have four pages of notes for this podcast, <laughs> and yeah, this is the fun part. The rest of it's a lot of work. Oh, I, hate fun, right? I hate editing. I hate editing. Yeah, I just got hired to be the. Uh, fan tracks podcast editor that guy left so i'm doing more of it now on podcasts i don't record but hey oh well are you getting paid to do it though yeah well that's it's not enough, but i'm getting <laughs> not enough. Yeah. yeah i know right at least you get paid small. bro. yeah yeah no if they weren't paying me i'd be like yeah, no i love what you guys do but no 
So. Yeah, it's, you can only volunteer so much of your time before it's like, all right. For sure. I got to yeah. start getting paid for this. <laughs> I think my wife might have killed me if I wasn't getting paid for that. I'm doing it. <laughs> I know. I swear I've been drafting for literally over three weeks straight, but not just like <laughs> one draft. Like the Thanksgiving one led right into this 30 teamer. Yeah. In between, I had two other slow drafts happening the Raz Jam basketball draft and the Hoop Ball basketball draft. Okay. Yeah. Well, the one day I literally had four drafts going at the same time. And then to top it all off, uh, Michael Simeone made a post that he's starting up a best ball league. Oh, the best ball one. Yeah. Yeah. I jumped in on that too. So I had like five things going. Yep. Yeah. Until midday today, I had four draft rooms open. Though one of them is the ours. So I'm not drafting in it, but I had four rooms open. You have to monitor it though, right? Just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, I just need to keep it open and follow along and stuff. What, so. do, you, what do you think of it? It's been interesting. Prospects have been going way more aggressively than I expected. It's so uh, annoying. <laughs> it's so uh, annoying, dude, because you have to yeah. take some. Yeah, the value has certainly been in more of a win now approach, but. Yeah, it's I, and I like just following along too. So yeah. I haven't been looking super closely or like deep dives on any team. I need to do that soon. I've just kind of been loosely looking at them, but yeah, just make sure nothing's blowing up. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, at one point, I looked at this one team in the league, and they had all major leaguers, and I wasn't even like really impressed with the team. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of those. It's so like, I'm like oh, okay, how is that you're possible? Doing, but... Yeah, I mean, one thing, though, in a 30-teamer, most teams don't look impressive. Because <laughs> there's so many. Like, the guy who won my other 30-teamer this year, part of it, he's he, he caught some lightning in a bottle in a short season with some players just going nuts for a couple weeks. But Yeah, you said Corbin he, Burns, right? Um, does he have Corbin? I mean, like, he had Jose Abreu, who no one thought Abreu season was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple others. But, yeah, you just, you just have to have depth for a league this size, just like you do to be a good major league team. So Yeah. See, I really like how me and my co-manager, Bobcat, have, like, been navigating this. Um, mainly because I told him exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> I wanted, like, honestly, I knew it was going to happen. Like you said, all the prospects are being aggressively drafted because I did a dynasty last year and the exact same thing happened. That, mm-hmm. like, the whole top 100 went maybe in, like, the top 15 rounds. Oh and then gosh. people tried to jump back in on MLB players. And it was just, like, when you wanted a prospect, you went to look for one and they were gone for, like, three or four rounds already. Yep. Um, but it it made me really look at dynasty in a different way. Where it was like, I am not going after every prospect. I'm aggressively going after the top 50. Mm-hmm. And then after the top 50 are passed, I'm loading up my MLB team with a full lineup. And I have all these J2 guys and 18-year-old kids that maybe people don't know about yet. Um, like a Nick, Nick Bitsko type of guy. Uh, yeah. Even Daniel Espino on Cleveland, same thing. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys that I'm, like, going to dream on, but I'm not reaching to take those guys, man. Mm-hmm. That's not yeah. the way to win. No. 
And I was kind of telling Megs, I was like, when you have guys in the top 50, it's so easy to trade them. And that's why I was aggressively targeting the top 50. Yeah. It was, I don't know, at, at the beginning of the draft, I feel like it's so much easier to make up for reaching than later on. Huh. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't really thought about it in that, those terms before. Only, bro, only because... So we reached on Luciano in the second round, for example. But I would have been happy leaving that second round with Sixto Sanchez. Mm-hmm. But we saved Sixto for the third. And all of a sudden, we now have Luciano and Sixto when I would have taken either one in the second. Mm, yeah. So... Potentially, it's a reach, but then we backed it up with safe plays in Chris Bryant and Whit Merrifield's back-to-back. So those are, in real-life drafts, there's your second and third-round picks. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I loved your value on KB. I couldn't believe he was there. People are so down on him. It's it's a... Like, what did he play? I mean, I'm a Cubs fan, so there's bias, but also, yeah, he's... (laughs) It's not like he was ever awful. He had a bad couple of weeks and was dealing with a minor injury all last year. And everyone was like, uh, he sucks now. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> I know. Okay. You keep believing that and I'll keep drafting him and redrafts this year. So go for it. The funny thing is they're targeting prospects who are being projected to be like Chris Bryant. Right. So it's like, what right. are you I mean, yeah, you, you said really you listened to the episode with Eric. Eric was yeah. talking about that with trading K-Rod for him, right? Yeah. I agreed with him, like, all yeah. the way. And I was actually yeah. going to bring that up with my strategy. Uh, yeah. When people want to reach and leave these guys to me, there's you just take them. You, you let them fall in your lap, and you just take them. You don't even think about mm-hmm. it. For sure. At yeah. the same yeah. time, you have to know when you can kind of gamble and wait a few rounds on a guy, too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, T1 Walker, for example, I would have been fine taking him anywhere after the eighth round. Um, but knowing that he's not signed with the team yet, knowing before this season people didn't really like him anymore, even though that was, I don't even get that. He's, he was still so young. He had, what, two surgeries in a row? He, he didn't even get a chance. Um, anyways, he throws his cutter more now. He has. Two of his three pitches have a batting average against under 170. He's solid, man. And I guarantee you a contending team is going to take a flyer on him. Because why wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so my dream scenario is he ends up in Oakland. I can see it. I feel like he's right in their price range. It's a great park for him. Love Oakland's team. Great defense. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that would be a, a dream matchup. What I don't want is him on the Yankees. <laughs> That's fair. I, I wouldn't mind him on the Cubs, man. You guys could have him. I'd take him. We uh, don't have a fifth starter, so it'd be nice what, to have five what, real pitchers. Hey, Chatwood? Chatwood's a free agent. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I thought he Our was... rotation right now is Darvish, Hendricks, Mills, Alzale, question mark? Probably Braylon Marcus. Braylon's not ready. To start the season, it's probably Colin Ray, but there's no way that can actually be it. It'll be some random veteran. I could see Kluber, maybe. But Aaron Aaron Sanchez. 
I could see a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I don't think without someone else too, just because who knows what Aaron's going to be. But yeah. Well, okay. I don't want to waste all the good combo not on the recording. So you want to get started? Yeah, man. Um, definitely. I've been recording this, by the way, as soon as I turned oh, it on. Okay. Yeah. So I might clip some of this actually. Okay, that's fine. Because why not? It was a good combo. <laughs> Edit away. Yeah, man. Uh, it definitely uh, will have to be edited somehow. But 